we, got, we were at, um, <laughs> I went to a 40th last night and then I ended up at uh, Great Dane as all bad nights end. Uh, absolutely. Um, which involved us, we kept going up to the DJ being like, Beyonce. <laughs> and the guy was like, <laughs> no. And they're like, don't pull that face. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, man. We're sorry to interrupt this program, but we have a news flash. There's a rumor swirling around. I hate to have to report this. All I have in this world is my word. You ain't got the answer, Sway. Oh, please don't take a turn to negative town. What are you talking about? Who's getting negative? Go ahead. Make my day. Today, Junior? I want to bring in my colleague now. This is The Pitch. Hey everyone, and this is The Pitch. This is a weekly show where we sit down and talk about news from the previous week that we found interesting, either from South Africa or anywhere in the world, and we pitch it to each other. Um, so I'm sitting here, uh, my name is Lisa, I'm here with Sandy. Hi. And Simi isn't with us this week, we have a guest host in, this is Tenji. Hello. Stimella, Hi. My wonderful friend from university. Tenji, will you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I am currently a television content producer, TV presenter... Every now and again, I suppose you can say I'm a reluctant writer. Um, but yeah, I am a young South African trying to use her voice to talk about the bullshit. Yeah, that's good. That's what we're all trying to do a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. In short, try. yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's actually been a hectic um, week and a really busy weekend. Um, they've just confirmed that about 50 people were killed in Orlando. Um, which So we won't be talking about that right now because it's still unfolding. But Jim, I'm sure we're all thinking about those families. Mm. Um, but this week we're going to do, I'm going to do Gorka. Tanja, what would you like to do? I would like to just talk about Brock Turner, rape culture and consent culture. Okay, cool. And My Andy? favorite topics. Yeah. I want to talk about Penny Sparrow. Okay, cool. So what order should we do this in? I don't know. Uh, I think she should definitely go last with that. Yeah, I also yeah. think we should <laughs> maybe start with like Penny Sparrows. Yeah, yeah. and the, then Gorka. Get the races out the way. Yeah, okay, um, which cool. is always our favorite topic on this show. Yeah. Um, so Penny Sparrow earlier this year posted a, this is just background, um, a social media thing on her Facebook saying there's way too many, uh, there's black people on the beaches and they look like monkeys. I'm going to start calling them monkeys now, et cetera, et cetera. Social media was amazing with this. Took it and it was like, oh, I'm a, you know, it was like they, they turned it into something a little bit positive. Um, but uh, last week she was fined by uh, the equality court in KZN and um, she has to pay 150K. Uh, so the interesting part for me is that uh, there is now a fund to start raising funds for Penny Sparrow to uh, to be able to pay this amount. Good lord! Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Crowd okay, fund. well, first of all, okay, so do you care? Do we you care? To, I think we both care. <sighs> do I have to speak about how how, how I care and yes. how I don't care? So, so say you care or not? I care. Why? I care. Okay. Um. I semi care. <laughs> you semi like care. Semi <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Do you guys want to substantiate or? Yeah. Um, I care so much as you know. It's it's a story about race relations in South Africa, um, and it's ongoing. Um, what irritates me is the violent use of power, 
you know, this for me is about power. And this is the, the big question in South Africa about race relations is not just about, oh, do white people and black people like each other? You know, I, I honestly think if we get down to it, probably yes. But because of the economic disparity, um, racism will persist. We'll keep persisting until we figure out a way um, to give people dignified opportunities, dignified living spaces, etc., etc. What irritates me is um, a crowdfund like this is a display of power. It's saying, you can find me, you can use your court. We're well-developed courts. We have well-developed systems in this country um, to enact justice. But at the end of the day, the power will always be in the hands of white people. And they can help me fund my way through my racism or through my white tears crying because I didn't get a tip at a, way, at a, at a table. Um, somebody bringing up the point about land, which is a, you know, a real point. Um, that, for me, is what irritates me about these stories. I try not to talk about them because I don't want to empower them, but at the same time, they're important because they point to the crux of the problem, which is economic disparity. Mm. Um, and, you know, at the same time, or around the time that the crowdfund for the waitress who didn't get a tip was happening, what... There was Auntie Iris and her son who were humiliated in the pick and pay in, in Cape Town because, I don't know, because of a broken chocolate. And an actress, um, Chantal Sandfield, started a crowdfund for that family as well and set the target at something like 15,000 rand, you know, just so that they could buy groceries for the next couple of months and, mm. and just feel like they didn't live through that humiliation for nothing. And I think they raised maybe just under 10,000 rand Meanwhile, some waitress, you know, garnered the support from people who don't even live in this country uh, mm. because of whatever and people thinking that, you know, they're standing up to racism, which is absolutely completely untrue. What they're doing is enacting their last bastion of power, which is economic power. Uh, yeah. um, so that for me is why this is important. I don't want to talk about Penny Sparrow calling people monkeys. I think that's the most base form of racism and really the most... The, lead, the one that we least have to worry about. But I mean, we have happening. to worry about it. Yeah. Yes, of it's course. Sort of, it's I mean, dehumanizing. And then, got, and then we've got Zapiro, and it just it sort of keeps yes, coming up. exactly. It keeps uh, restyling itself mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. So um, what, what was your... What argument were you going to make on it? My thing was... It's like, are we... First of all, how do we even monetize what... what, what um, how do we decide, okay, this is how much you're going to pay and what do we base that off, you know? Um, and for me, it's like, do we, do we need, rather than, rather than trying to, um, to, I don't know, I don't know. What is my point? Okay, I'm going to circle This is a regular problem on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this happens to me uh -huh. all the time. Um, okay, well, can I just say, I mean, is it, do you, do either of you guys think that it's um, a win that she's been actually sentenced, I mean, like given a fine or is it sort of fairly meaningless in the greater scheme of things, especially if something like this is going to come out where people f like fundraise for her? So I think it's, it's, it's very closely related to, um, to, to the fact that it's like, how do we, we, we always talk about on the show, how do we actually try and, and stop racism, right? How do we, how do we try and um, come up with ways to, to at least in public, you can't say this. It's fine in your private space if you say this. And if it's if it's a matter of finding people, then let's fucking do it. But how do we? How is this worse than what Zapiro did? And what do we? How do we? You know, you know what I mean. Hmm. So my question is, where do we? Where do we? 
I think that's a good question. I think you're trying to say how do we, how do we work through an acting justice where racism is concerned? Is it a, do we put a fine on it? Do we put a monetary value on it? Do we make people go and work in a community project so they realize? Yeah, you know, that's a very good question because I don't that I don't know how do you, you know, do the that? answer is yeah, but because this is I mean the, the the conversation we always have is like we've gone for like a really horrible lowest common denominator of like we can't actually we've come to a conclusion that so there's so many people whose minds we can't change mm-hmm. and sometimes you know really like I think public shaming is a dangerous thing sometimes but I'm like if people at least know not to open their mouths hopefully some of that stuff can just die with their generation and they don't they don't like to make public spaces unsafe for th- those sort of mm-hmm. conversations um and that's not really good enough. And like you said, when there's a public... But I mean, for, for Penny Sparrow, so this happens, money goes into a fund. Mm. We're also in this like, era of outrage right now, whereas basically all it's going to do is like confirm to racist people that like their country is not for them anymore and look what yeah. happens in free speech and blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I don't know if something like, like community service or... I don't know if you can change people like, like that, if you can change their minds. I don't think it's about changing people anymore. I think it's about changing systems because mm. racism is a systemic problem. Yeah. Um, at the at the very sort of end of its its journey down the watershed, uh, it 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 um, displays itself as people calling other people names, okay? Um, and At a very basic level. I mean, a monkey who's still using that, you can at least get a little bit more creative. But, but, it, but, it's, but it's, a, it's a result of, you know, Penny Sparrow's probably always lived in, in, a, in a, a, with a roof over her head. She's had access to water her entire life. She's had access to a certain kind of education. Um, at her home, they've had a certain kind of yeah. conversation every single day. Mm. Um, that level of privilege means that people can have certain views about other people, not think about how, you know, how it, it inflicts upon them and upon their dignity. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now, how do you change that? To to try to fix penny sparrows is not the thing. You have to fix the system that's keeping penny sparrows in houses over their heads um, and so separate and living a life that is so different from someone who has now been called a monkey. They probably don't even know this whole penny sparrow thing has been happening. Who, mm-hmm. you know, their whole families, they save for a whole year, for a whole two years to make that trip to the beach um, and, and, and treat their family. Um, how do you break the system that keeps making that the... the you know, the status quo, and then we'll deal with the penny sparrows. But as for as long as we're not talking about the system and how we can fix what is broken in the system, the penny sparrows are going to be there. People are going to call mm. people monkeys and other funny, so terrible names. would a fine be a system, like a systematic, at least a, one step, one angle of a systematic change? I mean, I mean what you're saying is it has to be economic, which, which, which is... Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I think truth, you're talking about the, the larger system, not just racism. So you're talking about um, uh, the disparities between black and white, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the Penny Sparrow thing with, with finding her, it's, it, it makes it not okay to do that a little bit. You know? But at the end of the day, why, do, why does it keep happening? Why does, also deterrence don't seem to work as a general rule. Like people work. don't like, stop murdering each other because you're going to prison. People what do don't we do? stop do saying we, racist stuff. Do we just That's publicly shame her? And the just, three of us are sitting yeah. here being like, no. well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do we Honestly, do? I, I, I've said this, we need to transform institutions. We need to find a way that our schools, you know, our education systems are instilling these values before people can count to ten. 
We mm. need to find a way that our churches are instilling these values, uh, that workplaces are yeah. properly transformed. You know, I love, love, love. One of the most important things for me that the government has done this this year is declare that no sports team or whatever can... Yeah, I thought that was a great. We talked about that. You yeah. know, they, really? they can't they can't lobby to host an international sporting sporting event unless the teams yeah. are fully transformed. That's amazing because it means that from the grassroots roots level, teams are now going to have to think about real transformation, not just about getting five black players on a team of you know twenty seven uh, white players. It's not just about mm. that anymore. They're going to need to invest their money in schools and projects and whatever um, to. It, you know, real transformation. It was, it was also a laying down of the law, like uh, the line, though, which is yeah. what I what I really enjoyed about it. Was yeah. they turned around and everyone was everyone was so butthurt about that and on social yeah. media and being like, "What?" Well, I was like, "He said a line, and we missed it. You guys missed exactly. it. So guess what? You get there's exactly. repercussions and it kept for these happening things. and kept and happening, especially for sport. We let exactly. sport people get away with everything. Yeah. So I actually also loved that yeah. because it was just like everyone was so upset about it. And some woman who was. The Nepal someone, someone, um, came on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it was a white lady on 702. And she started talking and I was just like, oh, dear. <laughs> like, I'll just, of course. Uh. I mean. And she was amazing. She was just like, she was just like, we've missed it. And she's like, we've like systematically let down. She's like, just our Nepal players, whether they, mm-hmm. um, because of, and she was actually talking about, which I hadn't thought about, was these guys have to join university teams. And a lot of the, that's exactly, it's an economic disparity about whether you can go to university or not. Who's going to university? And she said yeah. that's where they mm. see a huge dropout in, um, in black players. So, yeah. Anyway. So it's like the lines aren't, because the counter-argument to that sorry thing was, oh, why politics has no place in, in sports Which is absolutely once bullshit, we start. And you use like it you for politics also. You cannot, but you cannot also, separate the two. To be angry at that is actually denying sports the agency that it does have. Sports makes people think of each other as teams, as families, you know. There are Mm. values intrinsic in sport that help people sort of understand each other, bridge certain gaps, you know. To be angry that your kid is now not going to interact with a kid from the other side of the tracks who wants to play sport because of, you know, the law is saying that you don't want transformation. That's exactly what you're saying. So, Mm. but the longer that we allow our institutions, our workplaces, um, our, you know, where the money is, the longer we allow them to just not be transformed, yeah. we're going to keep getting people whose families and who, who people who think they can have certain views and say certain things in comfort places in this country, um, not being reprimanded and not being, the, you know, the person who, who, who got caught like Penny Sparrow. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm interested to see how much people are going to put into this fund, actually. I'm oh. not interested. I actually want to see what I've, the fuck is going to happen. I am that really, yeah. No. Anyway. All right, all right, sorry. Okay, cool. All right, so we both care and we all need to... So we care? You you cared a little bit in the beginning. No, I care. I think you brought up a really good point. It's just like systems. Like, I, I, I'm a big I, I'm a big believer that a, lo- a huge amount of... All sexism, racism, like all discrimination for me always has an economic base in it some way. It's always about power and money and who has what. Mm-hmm. And people who have things, when they lose them, scream the loudest because they've never lost anything before. And life. you're not even losing anything. You're it's not just actually making the losing. pie a little yeah, bit bigger. Exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, right. Okay, cool. So my story is about Gorka. Um, okay, so first, okay. So my top line of my story is Gorka Media has been uh, has filed for bankruptcy after they lost a court case against um, Hulk Hogan, the WWF wrestler. Wow. WWE? This is the first is time I'm hearing about this. WWF the animal this. one? Oh. Do- it's WWE. <laughs> the wrestler guy. You know who I'm talking about. 
Um, um, so, do you care? Do you care? I will give you more information, but I want to see if, off, off the top. Um, I'm not a major reader of Gorka. Um, I, I read it on recommendation and like do you, some cool Do you know article. who Peter, Peter Thiel is? No. Okay, cool. That's important. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I'm interested because it seems that the circumstances of the, this court case are quite interesting. So I would say yes, okay. Okay, cool. Okay, a little bit. So why this is super, super, super interesting mm-hmm. is there's a Silicon Valley billionaire called Peter Thiel. He's the co-founder of PayPal and he's this massive um, v- uh, venture capitalist mm-hmm. worth like $2 billion or something. Now, um, very well regarded in Silicon Valley. Um, I've listened to a few interviews with him. I've always liked him. And then I found out today that he's actually um, backing Trump, which made me be a bit like, ooh. Oh. Um, but I think probably because he's, one of the, he's a libertarian by nature and he's a capitalist by nature. So he mm. wants a Republican Party that's going to lower taxes. You know what I mean? Got I it. think it's probably more calculated move than an actual love of Trump. But anyway. Um, Gawker Media is like everything that's wrong with journalism. I mean, they really, it's, it's, it's vile. Like, they're a clickbait website. They started out as like an insider on the media in New York, and then they've just completely, I mean, the stuff they write is disgusting sometimes. And they're, they're famous for outing people on their website, like people who, who men who are married yes. and have families and this sort of stuff. They mm-hmm. take great pleasure in outing people. It's just, it's like exactly, it's that sort of shit. It's like, Terrible, terrible thing, and they call it journalism. They do it in the name of journalism. So Peter Thiel, in 2007, they wrote an article about him outing him, saying, by the way, Peter Thiel is gay. And he came out and was just like, how is this relevant? Like, how is this public? This, it doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with anyone, what my sexuality mm-hmm. is, anyway. Nothing happens. So now the whole Kogan thing comes out. The whole, they had a leaked sex tape from him that they put up on their website. An, illegal, an illegally obtained, you know, thing. Um, he goes into this court case and, um, and wins and turns around and had like the best lawyers and everything. This is Hulk Hogan. Um, Hulk Hogan. Okay. He goes in, he gets the best lawyers, sues them for $130 million. He got, he got awarded $140 million. Wow. Um, went viciously for Gawker, proving that it wasn't, because you have to prove three, uh, I'm not going to remember them now, but it wasn't in the public's interest. It wasn't. It was it was illegally obtained information. Like there were so many problems with yeah. it. Um, then it turns out comes out that Peter Thiel was funding his court case. So this is like a ten year wow. revenge plan <laughs> on the part of Peter Thiel as this billionaire. Um, and then all this information starts coming out that basically he for the last ten years every time someone wanted to sue Gorka he was like I will help you put this case together because this isn't journalism. These people need it like like they're bullies basically. Yeah. And it's almost like he just waited for like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect court case wow. to come, come up. Um, joined up with Hulk Hogan. Apparently, there was even another court case that was bigger than his, but the person who wasn't involved um, decided to back out at the last minute because they didn't want because Hulk Hogan's career is ruined now, anyway, um, from shit like this. So I mean, he wasn't that major anyway. I mean, like, he, was. he was. He's like the biggest major, guy. If you I mean, in it. not as in, is he active? Is he an active wrestler no, right now? No, but they make a lot of money from. And he's he not wrestling now, show, but yeah, they've got TV which shows, which is based on like family values, and the reality. Yeah, yeah okay. and that's kind of what Gork is like. Oh, the reason we're allowed to post stuff like this is because it is in the public interest because you're a public it shows figure. a disparity between what you're showing the world and what's actually happening in your private life. Hmm. Okay. Um. So I read an article by a guy called Ryan Holiday, which was fantastic, and he was just saying like, Peter Thiel has just reminded the world that actions have consequences, and mm. and and what happened also was there was an option in the court case where the 
Hulk Hogan could say Gawker had to pay for it themselves or their insurance had to pay for it. And he said, no, their insurance can't. They're not allowed to pay for it. They have to pay for it. So they very actively went at Gawker with the intention of shutting it down, right? Now, like, a lot of people have come out and they said, this is really, really scary because this is a billionaire using his power and his influence to shut down a media organization that he doesn't like. So it's a really interesting dynamic, and I actually don't quite know how I feel about it because I was very behind Peter Thiel because I just... I'm just against journalism like that anyway. And what Ryan Holiday wrote about was that he's, he's ru- like they've ruined tons of people's lives and careers by writing, calling them bigots, calling them sexist, calling them racist. Like they, they, can, do, they can do that willy-nilly and that can ruin someone's career. And it's not, journalism's not meant to be um, you know, trial by public opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, this guy was saying he's spoken to a lot of people who've been suicidal about Gawker's stories, and like he's he's out. He's ruined people. Like they they've ruined people's families for like no decent reason, right? But then I am also hearing this argument, and I hear them very clearly being like, we can't have billionaires suing, like coming up with these elaborate plans and, to and shut f- down and media. Funding, yeah, funding. Is that so where do you, you draw, draw the line? It's like, um, okay, wh- who decides what? Who decides what is real journalism? You know, it's and where is the line in terms of There's that? Some like basic stuff. I mean, we we know instinctively what public interest is, and someone's sexuality is not public interest. I mean, it, but they did it through the court. They did. They did. He sort of enacted this revenge plan through the court, court. right? Which is now a system that's set up to hope we hope and a lot of the time is not the case to make people equal before the law right and a lot of the time money quickly will pull you out of that if you can't pay for lawyers you won't get your day in court so see now peter Thiel was one of the only people who was rich enough to take on gawker because everyone who tries to um sue gawker for defamation they're basically like oh do you want to spend five years in court and lose Mm. all your money yeah like we've got the best lawyers in the world what are you going to do so it was finally like someone more powerful than him so for me in that regard um there's nothing wrong with this case you know they've they've done it it wasn't you know it wasn't about people buying shares and it wasn't like a very like suits scenario you know how suits they just they come up with the most ridiculous suits of the sexist show but anyway we won't get into it <laughs> they come up with the most like ridiculous like buy plans and plots like two people and whatever it's through the court um and it's somebody who has some kind of interest and yes of course it's, it's a personal interest but using his money to make people equal before the law so which, the, which is what's so mm-hmm. fucked up right because it's basically saying equal before the law if you have enough money to be to, which i mean money. we all knew yeah. that but it's like it's so funny how but other people who've been using that strategy against other yeah. people are like now like oh they're stifling the media and you're yeah. like you've used a giant platform to ruin mm-hmm. people's lives who can't fight back against you exactly you know? anyway. exactly so in that regard i i think I want to say that I'm on Peter Thiel's side. I hate the fact that he supports Trump. Mm. But um, at least in this matter, it, it was before the courts yeah. and it's a legal thing. It but wasn't it does, like, it, it does it, point it's like, to a okay, big... It's obvious. It, Sorry, point, no. it points to a big problem with the court system, which is you know access to justice through financial means. Mm. Yeah. It's it's like okay, so I, I get the whole idea and um I get the whole idea of gutter journalism, we can't support it, these people have been ruining um people's lives with with without warrant, but it's like I don't know, I'm having a a bit of a tough time. It's tough because, yeah, you, because you, you know as a journalist 
yeah. when people you write stuff about them that they don't like exactly. you often write things about people that they don't like and yeah. normally mm. people get really aggressive and in situations like where they are wrong imagine yeah. taking on a massive company in that and then you are right I don't know and, and what if my media organization I don't know it's just for me it's it's a bit it's, there's a I don't know there's I'm, a I'm thing happy. there with like for, yeah. me, for me what I was really thinking about is like Silicon Valley are in a really weird way like almost our new government like they they decide a lot of stuff about how our world is going to be mm. because of the technology that they're creating in that space which is why there's a huge problem with the fact that it's very white male yeah. right it's because they they are building the tools that we all have to use and they're they're thinking in a way that is just conducive to them that makes sense to them they're yeah. not thinking they not not thinking about other groups because there's no mixed environments Absolutely. right um but everything that they do determines like the AI that they develop, the technology they use, how we use it, all of that will, will trickle down to us. Mm. So they need to be held accountable if, if things start going wrong. I think right now, I mean, there's just a ton of money, it's private, they aren't accountable to anyone. But yeah, if we can't even do proper journalism on them for fear that they will sue your company into oblivion if you say anything bad about them, that's also that's, really that's dangerous. Also, it's a very opinion-y, not opinion-based thing. It's like it's his opinion that it was a bad whether it's got a journalism well, I mean, or not, it's, I don't it's think now it's been proven idea. it's not a Yeah, yeah, opinion. that's what I'm saying. So, I think that's so the important. court system. You've just, you know, you spoke about proper journalism. Sorry, let me let you finish. No, no, yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead. You know, you spoke, spoke about what is proper journalism, what is not proper journalism. I think that's, that's huge. I think, especially in our country, um, we have a problem with uh, what the repercussions are for people who put out views, you know, you mentioned Zapira earlier on, that are problematic. Um, how, how, how are they, how are these, how are the standards upheld? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and how are your p- personal political connections, how do they trickle into the way you do your journalism or your personal political affiliations or your, your um, you know, your subjective lens. And you were talking mm-hmm. about white, white male. Our media and, you know, if you come from a certain sort of reading in this country, your media is going to be a certain way. Like a certain website, News24 is going to report news in a certain way with a certain tone and a certain voice. So is going to re- you know, report things with a certain tone, a certain voice, a certain whatever. Yeah. And there has to be, at some point, there's going to be a um, unevenness of what we think is proper, what constitutes proper journalism, what constitutes in the public interest. Yeah. And now that the court, you know, we've seen it being sort of exercised and tried and tested, you know, and, and proved, proven insufficient in one case. Mm. That's great. But what does it mean for any journalist writing anything about anyone? Yeah, um, yeah. And also, I mean, the thing also in journalism right now is there's no money and a lot of people are freelance. And a huge thing about being freelance is you're not covered by the insurance of your company. Mm. So you could be personally um, So there's huge issues. I've, I've heard so many stories from people who've gone into freelance and they, they get commissioned to do some huge investigative and then um you know they they come to publishing and they're like cool and then the people have been like listen if this company decides to sue you it's on you what you know and and then they can't that that's an in a financial decision altering journalism it's funny that you know this sabc thing right um while we're on the strain of the media etc where um they basically they're not showing violent videos etc mm. so now they have so much money at the SABC, first of all. They've got public funds. And th- and it's funding, it's basically funding an organization that chooses to show things in a certain way. Can I can tell you, I haven't watched SABC News 
in years and I watched I it that yesterday. About this, yes? I've never, I haven't watched it in ages and I was just like, because I, I don't even watch TV. I, I get everything online. It's one of those mm. children yeah, of, the, of the media. So I sat down to watch SABC the other night. Oh, turn on. And literally it was like, tonight, Jacob Zuma goes to Kwakopantain and delivers on his promises. I was like, holy shit, because that's what the media is like in Doha, in Qatar. You know, you turn on the radio in the morning and it's like, this is what the mayor's up to today. He's wonderful. Mm. And it's the lead story and then there's some news afterwards. And I mean, I know it's probably like a very isolated, I don't know if it was like a slow news day, but it really gave me, I was just like, mmm, that's not good. I've heard so much about like state capture at SABC, so many people slamming how bad the journalism's gotten there. But was, that's why I was like, let me turn it on because I, yeah. I hear all these opinions, but I haven't actually watched it myself. And that was the first thing that I saw, so... I don't know. Yeah, it, it immediately made me think about where people are really getting the news from. Um, if you know, if it's banned that radio DJs can't read news headlines on the station anymore, which is one of the things yeah, apparently that's yeah. changed now. Doesn't that just redirect your audience to newspapers, back to newspapers? You know, like mm. doesn't that just redirect? Like, doesn't it make pay TV more relevant now? People were freaking out about pay TV because now you know people are buying package deal on the internet, streaming. Uh, and we have a huge issue with data, so it's not a huge threat for them. But newspapers have always been part parcel of the fiber of this country. Mm. Communities, even like local sort of tabloids, even the most like bubblegum reporting, people still buy. You know those those kinds of newspapers. Doesn't that just redirect? the audience that you've you know, worked so hard to build back to, to newspapers. So to newspapers? Will, will people just switch off their televisions I and pick up? Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think people will, will watch the SABC for better or for worse. And I think that they know that people aren't going to just all of a sudden start. Um, I mean, I think if you were reading newspapers yeah. It, before, it, yeah, before I, I think that it's, it's going to stay on. I think they're going to keep the TV on. My parents have been watching SABC One News. Yeah. Since I was born, yeah, and that's, it's that habit of yeah, tuning in for the seven o'clock news. I wonder if like, people will can even tell the difference if they're not even seeing things mm. burning. Anyway. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this up because we're, we're like chatting away. This is nice. Um, okay, Brock Turner. Let's oh. talk about. Brock oh, we should have left there. We should have. So, yeah. As you said, the top line of my story is um, the news about Brock Turner has exposed how much men don't actually know how to speak about rape. Um. The Brock Turner thing is very simple. Brock Turner is a rapist. He is the worst mutation of a rapist you can think about. He is that stranger in the gutter who comes and finds you and rapes you, okay? Um, Now, of course, this incident has caused, you know, the sufficient amount of outrage and, you know, everybody knows what to say. Maybe not everybody, but people know that it's wrong and we're speaking about how the media chose to report it. We're speaking about the pictures of Brock Turner that that have come up, you know. One of the main issues being that the media's sort of knee-jerk reaction is to try to paint Brock as not as bad as... Oh, poor little boy. You know, he's not a rapist. Mm. Look at him, clean cut in a suit. He's from Sanford. He's okay. Um, And people are angry about this. You know, why didn't we see his mugshot? Um, Why wasn't that the first picture that came out? Um, Why why is the narrative about how good of a swimmer he is instead of he raped someone? Um, For me, it's good, actually, for us to see the picture of Brock Turner, the picture of a swimmer, because it just reinforces the fact that our worst nightmares look like everyone who's around us. They look mm. like these people who are supposedly clean cut. That is, for me, that's what's 
in a way poignant, very scary as well, is that that's what a rapist looks like. I think people like we we want it. Maybe we want to see someone scary with like bloodshot eyes. Yeah, because it makes us believe that it's not it's not anyone we know, and that like, it's not yeah. the threat is not as imminent as it is. No, the threat is Brock Turner, um, and so that was my first thing. But secondly, the conversations that come out of that, you know, I'm I'm at a point now where, I, not that I'm tired of hearing of women speak about rape. I think it's important that we keep using our voices, but we're always it's always women speaking about how we feel, the fear that we feel, the fact that our lives are so affected, the fact that in South Africa, as a young girl, you have a bigger chance of being raped than, than to be educated. We're speaking about the effects of rape on women and on our society, but we're not speaking about who's, who are the rapists? Where are mm. they? Who are these men? How many? Like, the fact that there's one in four women yeah. who will be raped... Who's doing all the raping? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And and one of the my most frustrating points is all these men who have very rapey behavior. We'll talk about rapey behavior now. What is rapey behavior? <laughs> yes. They Some all think it's not behavior. them. Yeah. They all think they're good guys. And not your friend. And not, you know, you they, know. they all think that they're not part of a system and, and, and a behavior of... of you know, entrenching this really, really toxic masculinity, you know, ideas about consent or, you know, misconceptions of what consent should be and not be, and how, oh my gosh, we'll speak about romance, how people have sort of misinterpreted what romance should be. People, and especially men, don't know how to speak about rape, right, and that yeah. for me is very, is very scary, and that's, do you so care? I so care, I, I care big me, time, care? I care. I care big time. And also, I, I think what you highlighted, which I actually have enjoyed, is like, these things are, first of all, happening like ridiculously late. We shouldn't still be having these conversations mm-hmm. in 2016. But at least I feel like I'm seeing some progression in the online conversation. Like, those first photos of him came out, and everyone was like, what the fuck? Use his mugshot. Like, don't show. And there was a quite fast, uh, you know, re-angling. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least, you know, the conversation moved past some of the really basic shit that I still feel even like two years ago people were being like well you know she was really drunk like at least we skipped past some of that and we got straight to the fact that the justice system in these states is fucked <laughs> which is like a whole other thing you can go on about I mean I was listening to podcasts this week about um, guys in prison who are learning how to code and there's all these guys in there they got tried when they were like 13 and 14 and they have their, they're spending their lives in prison all black men in America and um, they were literally like at the scene of a crime, or like th- these weren't even like they they were they were put away on maximum conviction. Oh, it was just so frustrating. And then the fact that the the judge literally said it would you know because he, he was only given twenty months because it like could impact his life. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And also, I just wanted to say the U.S. Swimmers Association came out today and banned him for life. Yes, that's and you that. have okay. to, you have to. He's not a member yet, yeah. but you have to, you have to be a member of them to do Olympic trials. You can't go to the Olympics if you're not a member of their organization, as far as I can understand. And they've said he's out for life because they have a very strong line on. Which is so amazing. that's what I'm saying. Again, it's like that's, that's good. a good example of systems actually changing. Like their legal system needs to catch up, but at least a sports organization mm. there has the good fucking sense to come out and be like. 
just so all of you know, this is not acceptable behavior and he'll never be. This judge has said, oh, well, let him out early so he can get back to his swimming, mm. you know. And they've said, well, he's not going to swim with us. And I'm I just like, yes. I think this story yes. is so much more important for South Africa, especially because I know we're not, we're not supposed to call it the rape capital of the world because uh, Africa check debunked that myth a couple Because oh, it's like Lesotho or something. Yeah, it's like the country like, inside okay. our country. All right, Yay. thanks. Yeah. Well, listen to the DRC. I don't know. But mm. I mean, those labels are problematic. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a different it's a way. We have so, so many different systems. Them, but we yeah. do have a problem with rape in this country. Absolutely. That's yeah. what we I mean. Do. Oh, I love that question. Who's doing the raping if it's, not, if it's not the people around you and if it's not the typical people in your lecture halls, in your, you know, in your offices, et cetera, et cetera? And bringing men into the conversation is, is really important because it makes them... It's like you're, you're not part of the problem, um, but you are... Your species is... <laughs> you absolutely are part Your of the species. problem. No, 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 you are I think, I think part of the problem. What? Because they're not talking about it. A, okay, first of all, because they participate in a culture that makes it okay and it makes it celebrated to be a certain kind of male, okay, to, to perform maleness in a certain way. So the framing of masculinity. So masculinity okay. and how, uh, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, um, the way sort of men think about consent culture, you know, uh, will speak... So coming out of Brock Turner, I think mm-hmm. Brock Turner, for me, it's a point of departure. He's a rapist. We don't even have to talk about ooh, what, what were the gray areas. There were no gray areas there. Yeah, he okay? should have just got a worse sentence. That's as far exactly, as I Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But then, um, then I raise the question of, you know, do men actually understand when their behavior is problematic on my Facebook page? And, uh, you know, to... To emphasize Lisa's point, I must say there are a lot more men who are actually now starting to engage me and ask questions like, what do you mean? And I asked, I said, are you asking women if you can talk to them? Are you asking women if you can hold their hand? Are you asking women if you can kiss them? You know, before you, you know, ask, are you asking women if you can have sex with them? But a lot of these men are going, oh, but it's taking away the romance. You know, it's so romantic when you mm. kiss a woman mid-sentence. I'm like, no, A, that's yeah, sexual actually, assault. Yeah. And it's really, rude, really, really rude. Mm. Um, you know, and there are ways of being, whatever, seductive and upholding relations that, you know, in which consent is central to all of that. Um, but more than that, what are you saying when your friends are exhibiting really rapey behavior in your circles when they're talking about um, an you interaction? Know, it's really funny. I remember, you know? I just remembered as you said this, I had a mate, a male friend um, who's, who was telling me a story and he just said something, I can't even remember what it was, and I was just like, mm-mm, and I said, don't say stuff like that to me, that's not, and he's like, yeah, well, that's, you know, and he's like, yeah, that's like how guys talk to each other, and, he, and I was like, do you no. think that's okay, and he's like, yeah, but it's just like, you know, it's like locker room talk kind of thing, and I was like, well, actually, no, it's not okay, like, it just made me doubt him so much as a human, he's exactly that, that boy exactly. that you would think he's best mates, he would fucking call himself a feminist, like, the whole shebang, yeah, oh my but this is a person who's, who's completely comfortable with these conversations, I think I really got into it with him being like, doesn't it bum you out? Like, you know, like you're talking about this woman this way, like, you know me, you know, I have yeah. thoughts and I go to work and I'm like a little, you know, whole yeah. human being. And you're talking about this other person, like she's an animal basically. Mm. And you're just like, mm, it's just the way guys. So it's, it's, like, it's, like, mm. so it's like the way guys talk, locker room talk. It's the Not way that, mm. it's, it's the way that, that masculinity is I framed. Mean, dare, I, dare I say, it's, exact, it's, it, it's not exactly the same, but it has a parallel in white people coming together in white spaces and being racist 
and and them it thinking is. that it's fine it's because okay. they're in a safe space. And you so. bounce it off each other and you reinforce it quite mm. a bit because and it's just but it's just as bad when a guy who who's engaging with you and talking to you about this stuff and he turns and he's having these conversations but when he's alone with other men doesn't engage but won't say anything. Like I still think silence makes you very complicit in a lot of situations. Yeah. So another thing is is not just the way masculinity is framed it's the way that femininity is framed it's mm. you're sort of like this weak person you know it's you're 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 meek and mild and you're just there to be taken you're there mm. you're there to be moved <laughs> i got called a dominant woman this week <laughs> sorry i'm just oh, on I that, that. Mm. you should be excited i was just like no no, <laughs> no exactly it was just like you should be I'm excited just about I'm like, that i'm just behaving like a normal person yeah, yeah. The fact that men think that women like it when they cut them off. Exactly. Mm. With their physical presence, like you're getting in my space. No, that's very problematic. And you're right. Yeah, it's, you know, the all the, the, the tropes of, you know, the princess in the tower who's waiting to be saved. And masculinity, femininity, the, both ideas are, you know, pro- problematic. But I want to even take it further to the fact that we're, we're living in societies where I'm telling you now, every family has a rapey uncle who's looking at the children in the family, touching the children in the family in an inappropriate way, and families aren't speaking about this. Mm-hmm. Families aren't outing those people until, you know, there is a child who is who is vic- who is who, um, t- taken advantage of. And even you know? then, it's still not and spoken and about. about the, we're having the conversations about how girls should dress and how girls should behave, and you must greet the uncles. You must say, I'm going to teach my kid, like, I don't the fuck care if you're related to somebody if you don't feel like you want to greet them don't greet them don't talk to them don't don't yeah. be in their space you can get out of the room oh black people in greeting you don't no, want to do I, that <laughs> I, you know i this is the point that i'm getting at now yeah, yeah. is um where do you draw the line uh there are and i can even in my own family i can tell you there are uncles that have been allowed to carry on the way that they carry on speaking the way they do in front of the kids about other women, other kids, other young people, people dressed a certain way, looking at kids in a certain way, and we're not calling the shit out. So, um, so, and allowing this to just fester in our communities, and then suddenly people get raped, and it's like, oh, oh my God, rape is an issue, and rape is an issue, but rapists aren't an issue, so, you know, and that's my, my that's my big issue, and that's my big frustration, and be you know. Locker room talk is one of it. Cultural, you know, cultural norms or what we think are cultural norms are part of it. But just how men are speaking about seduction mm. and how men are speaking about um, just women in general. Mm. A while mm-hmm. ago, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this. On Twitter, there was this thing that people, you know, when people talk about, oh, I was on a date and then she did it. And she, she, I don't know, she, whatever, flashed her thigh and I thought... You will give me. Do you guys remember that phrase? No. That you will give me. Mm. Men were using that you will give me as in like, I'm going to get it tonight. You're going to give it to me. And that I thought was the rapiest thing. And there are names that I will not name. Mm-hmm. But people of we people all know. You know? Of yeah. people we all know. Who were the four, like the leaders of this movement, you will give me. And mm. it was the rapiest thing on the planet. People laughing and be like, oh, why are you taking this so seriously? We're just talking about, you know, Interactions between men and women, and no, that's a culture of no consent. It's a culture of rape. What you, mm. what you, you know. Yeah, no, um, there's, I, there's so, it's so, there's, it's so problematic so on so many this, yeah, levels. Yeah. And yeah, that idea of like the woman as the prize is like a thing that you get, a thing that you exactly. almost like consume when you've won. 
And then, and uh, yeah, you know what? One of the best, I can't even remember. I met this professor once who I spoke to. He was talking. I We did a show on rape. But I, I was like, we're doing a show on the men who rape women. Because I'm so, I, there's plenty of shows about the women who are raped. We need yes. to find out who these people are. And this professor came on and he said, you know, the problem, um, he said in this dynamic, even he said, even when I've got my hands around your neck, like in a male-female thing, he's like, I also can't leave. I'm also... I'm 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 the oppressed in the situation, but I'm also stuck in this bind. I'm also stuck in this binary. This also restricts me from being something different from this thing. And mm-hmm. I know it's hard to hear sometimes as a woman, but it is true. Like men are just as bound by this binary as we as we Absolutely, are. Yeah. Maybe it's um less fight it's definitely imbalanced, but they've also, you know, there's a lot of problems there. So I think it's on everyone problems of fragility. to sort it out, you know. Mm. And I don't know how we bring men and women into the same conversation because it still seems very polarized and it still seems, and it's kind of, yeah, it's like also any power dynamic, like the person in power, they're not forced to think about it. Like they're not forced, yeah. men, like it's a whole thing, men aren't forced to think about the fact that they're men on a daily basis, whereas we get reminded on a daily basis that we're Absolutely, women. Yeah. You know, I was, for me, um, one of the things that I've been saying a lot of my male friends and a lot of my male, excuse me, <laughs> my well-meaning male friends talk about I want to have daughters I want to raise my daughters in this way and make sure that they can conquer the world and that they're the most amazing young women and that they're strong and that they're resilient and I ask well okay well how would you like to raise your sons yeah exactly. and they say no 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 sons guys know you know they've got a sense of self and they can go into the world I want but I want to shepherd my daughter mm. and I'm like well maybe the problem is that People are sort of over-raising their daughters. Yeah, you know, actually, that's not yeah. a bad yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. not like, raising yeah. sons at all. So now boys that's are now also like, don't worry about your girls. Other. There's tons of there's tons of institutions now to you raise know? fucking badass girls. Like we actually need to have a generation don't where we worry, worry about, about the, the girls, boys yes. because exactly the girls now know how to say no. Um, but and they also know what consent is and that sort of stuff. But they we still haven't managed to stop the men from raising them. Yeah, you basically so, raise women I, to be defensive, to defend themselves against. Like basically all all that's happened is we know that it's wrong now. That's in all terms that's of this consent culture. I, I'm not I'm not too convinced that girls know as well what you know when you're in a dicey situation, right? So you sort of let's say you're making out with the guy and then he's like. Um, you know, and it, it, I don't know. If you, you don't know how to you, say no you because don't you don't want to kill exactly again the you, you romance. Don't wanna, you don't want to like you see that bruise comes, his that, ego. Yeah, you don't exactly, want to that comes from the same so issue. Yeah. It's the whole feminine. It's, it's it really. It's how I'm telling you now. We, yeah. The way sex education is taught at school is horrific. Okay, sex. The way sex education is taught at school, is sex is a thing that men want and women is Have a thing to that, run away from. That, that happens to no, but, women. Oh, no, but we got it. It's and a thing it's like that a, happens to women. So yeah. you know, I was thinking about this, and oh, anyway. So I was thinking about this the other day, and thinking about how when you think about masturbation and how you learned about masturbation at school. Did we learn about masturbation at school? You don't really. We were at the same school. <laughs> okay, me and Lisa were at the same high school, oh, which is okay, an old girls' school. But when I was in primary school, which was a co-ed school, the way that masturbation was spoken about, even though you didn't say boys masturbate or girls masturbate, it was just intrinsic that we were talking about male masturbation yes. because we would, you know, the way you talk about hands and semen getting into people's eyes and being blinded <laughs> by that, and like the sex ed is like debunking this myth, like it's okay to masturbate. Your semen is not going to blind you. And 
your eye. Meanwhile, back in the ranch, girls don't have semen to worry about when they're masturbating. And so, like, what? So there's this big gaping hole in how sex education is taught. And for me, for a lot of women as well, it's just a thing. Sex is a thing that you might like, but it happens to you. Yes. You know, mm. whereas men, men are going out to go yeah. and find it and to do it, and they have these wet dreams. Like, what? Like, what are the equivalent of wet dreams for women? You know what I'm saying? So sex. So now, they, so now you're Daydreaming. raising women who find themselves. <laughs> In a society that is saying your sexuality is part of who you are, you know, uh, you know, own it, and they want it. They want to go out there and just be normal like any other person. Yeah. But then they are in a s- situation with a boy that they might actually like, but in their minds they might not want to have sex with that person today. But the heat is going, and he, he's a nice guy, but you don't actually want to do it. But maybe I should because I don't want to be a prude or I don't know, I don't want to be a whatever. So. It, this, well, this is, is kind mean, of like this is what's horrific actually because we had this me and Zandi had this conversation about you know getting into the situation yeah. where you're actually like oh hold on I don't actually want to have sex with this person um, and we're saying like we are both this both happened to us in our like mid twenties mm. and we are both um, fairly well educated fairly like well educated we're <laughs> we are, we're engaged in this yeah. conversation all yeah. the time. Yeah. You know we're we're really a part of this dialogue like we re- like we know this stuff and we were still both caught in a situation where we were like it was tough really how uncomfortable yeah. and like how yeah. and like yes, no maybe and we both sort of awkwardly sort of only half got out of it yeah. if that sort of gets you yeah. use your imagination on that one and I was like we were talking about it I mean we were having a like a laugh but we were like how horrific like we, we are a part of this conversation we we should we should, we're, we are the most like well read you know like we're so engaged in this and then, even then when it came to us I felt that so keenly of exactly. not wanting to be the girl that turn around and like to be called a tease or, exactly. or anything like in that. In high school it's they so had this powerful. phrase where if you if a guy wanted to have sex with you and you didn't this happened to me a few times in high school as it would any girl it, it's like you're, you're phrasing this way like you're like you're it's ridiculous you are, it's disgusting you're not sharing or something oh. and it, it, it's like are you kidding as if me? like you are obligated exactly to, to it's like it's acquiesce yeah. to a male's desire to have sex with you mm. ridiculous it's the worst thing and now you're right now we're you know, three sex positive. Again, also the phrase sex positive is problematic for me, but we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> um, and we're still finding ourselves in this exactly. situation. Now, if, you, if you've if you grown up in a, a much more conservative society, much more conservative home, and there are these boys who, who you know, who were raised with the system on their side, with the system having their desires, at, you know, at, at its top, at the top of its priority list, how are you going how are you going to just accept that you can actually say no and it's going to be okay you know and you're mm. a badass you're a badass chick and you can walk out of there and hold your head high exactly it's very and problematic okay well shall we run quite a bit over but we've had yeah, we've, we've had some amazing we had some good we've, we've literally done like sexism racism just to close it off and media Brock privacy for life. yeah oh god <laughs> sorry did you just say Brock Turner for life <laughs> Oh, good lord! Oh man! What a anyway. douchey name as well. Oh, terrible! I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it like the ultimate? Like when you think of like someone from Stanford who swims, it's like Brock. <laughs> but Brock, Brock Turner. also goes to parties and rapes people. Oh, like that's yeah, exactly. the rape culture in Stanford is really it's not rape culture in the states sounds right? horrific. Jeez, guys. This is also sorry on Gorka. Gorka like had had a, a girl was raped at a party, and they had the video and wanted to put it online, and her family was trying to sue Gorka to stop them from doing that. 
Now, this is a random woman. She's not a public figure at wow. all. Like why this would, is so. What yes. is the point of I'm posting say, that? I don't care. Like, if I live in a dystopian future where all media freedom is gone, I'm still going to be like, I'm glad Peter Till did it. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, oh, ugh. Okay, so right. yay. yay! That was um, another amazing. round well, week here at the pitch. Words, um, words, words, words. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at the underscore pitch underscore sa. We're on Instagram um, at the pitch sa. You can email us on the pitch sa at gmail.com and you can find us on Facebook and please um, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a comment it's nice and it helps us okay bye thank you for joining us it was so much fun fun. and and we miss you Sim we miss you we gotta talk about rape culture for a really long time (laughs) (laughs) okay cheers guys Bye. bye